Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Since 1983, Copenhagen Modern Furniture has showcased Austin's largest collection of fine contemporary furniture and accessories. Now, at Copenhagen, save $500 on any stressless signature or leg comforter recliner model. For more ways to save, shop online at copenhagenliving.com or visit the showroom on Breaker Lane. Copenhagen Modern Furniture, Austin's premier destination for everything contemporary since 1983. Are there particular movies that are better or worse than you remember them? Oh, yeah. Okay. So Iron Man 3 is utter trash. Welcome to I Love You So Much, the podcast about the people, places, and things we love about Austin. Our podcast is from the feature staff at the Austin American Statesman, and we're sponsored by Copenhagen Furniture. I'm Executive Features Editor Sharon Chapman. And I'm Austin 360 Editor Eric Webb. And this week, our culture writer Joe Gross is sitting down with the Statesman City Hall reporter and, his words, not mine, giant nerd Phil Jankowski to talk about a heroic quest indeed. Sharon, do you know more about this heroic quest? I sure do. Phil decided to watch all 21 Avenger movies, or Marvel Cinematic Universe movies as they are also known, before the premiere of Avengers Endgame. So he's been watching one a night for 21 days leading up to the big premiere. Yeah, which is almost a month, which is crazy if you think about it. I mean, he, he actually showed me his Google Calendar, and he had them blocked off in order, and he was live tweeting them as well, which was just a delight to yes, watch. Yes, yes. Yeah, so I really felt like you were with Phil in his living room watching these movies. And so Adventure in Game is all we've been talking about for a while. But I, doesn't it point to kind of like a broader cultural moment, cultural moment that we're having for kind of like nerd stuff? Oh, for sure. In fact, I would say it's all we've been talking about, except when we're talking about Game of Thrones. Yeah. I which mean, is also having its moment right now. And two major productions coming to an end at pretty much the same time yeah oh yeah so game of thrones uh is in its final season and avengers endgame is kind of just supposed to be this bow tie on 21 over films over a decade of marvel cinematic universe filmmaking and plot lines and they're still gonna make marvel movies but they're not gonna necessarily be following this whole infinity stones plot line where thanos are big mean purple mad titan played by josh brolin is manipulating everyone from his space station castle wherever <laughs> he lives i don't know i'm sure he has nice real estate he's the mad well, titan yeah he got rid of half the world right so he probably has pick of beachfront property yeah he probably picked a nice resort in boca and he just set up shop uh so we're gonna hear from phil and joe talking about this massive marvelous undertaking and spoiler uh listeners if you like hearing these two guys talk if you go to austin360.com slash game of thrones you can actually subscribe to phil and joe's game of thrones game of thrones podcast called win or die analyzing game of thrones it's a great listen it's so good they go deep i mean joe thinks about culture in a way that i didn't even know you could think about culture 
I mean, it's amazing. And, and they really bring out the humanity as well as the fun of a show like Game of Thrones and also the whole Avengers universe. And Phil's just filled with glee. <laughs> no pun intended. So without further ado, here's Joe Gross and Phil Jankowski talking about Phil's heroic quest to rewatch every Marvel Cinematic Universe movie before the premiere of Avengers Endgame. This is Joe Gross, culture writer for the Awesome American Statesman, and I'm here with Phil Jankowski, who is my partner on Win or Die, analyzing Game of Thrones, the final season, our Game of Thrones podcast. And Phil has self-identified many times as one of our resident nerds, and he decided, for reasons that absolutely pass understanding, to watch all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies over a period of how long was it? Uh, 22 days. You, so you did them straight through? Yeah. I haven't finished yet, but we are getting, we are getting close. Mm-hmm. I set this up basically because I'm very much looking forward to Avengers Endgame that I wanted to watch every single movie leading up to watching uh you know leading up to watching avengers endgame when it when it comes out i hesitate to ask this but what did you learn that you didn't know before <laughs> how sort of interconnected these these movies are and through small things um which are very very neat that you have a lot of very small, insignificant characters that kind of show up in the other movies, which gives it this sort of subtle continuity mm-hmm. um, that that you can really appreciate, which helps you kind of... A lot of these movies are really standalone movies, um, but there are these subtle nods to we are building towards this big, big, grand finale. Are there particular movies that are better or worse than you remember them? Oh, yeah. Okay. So um, Iron Man 3 is utter trash. Um, that movie, I remember at the time even thinking that like, okay, this is not great, but it's acceptable. And I can say right now that that movie is unacceptable. It feels pretty placeholdery. Yeah, it's... It almost feels like they were just like, okay, let's get it. Let's just get this thing done. Yeah, nobody you know? looks particularly happy to be there. Yeah, and and so like the, the it doesn't have John Favreau as the director of it, and it and it shows. I don't remember who the director is, but it's just kind of cheesy, and the music is awful, utterly awful. Like totally takes you out of the movie. Um, that's that one and Thor, the dark world also not great, but I did remember that one being bad. So it didn't catch me by as much of a surprise as Iron Man three did. Mm -hmm. Um, on the opposite end, uh, Ant-Man, um, really surprised me. Uh, I sort of remembered it as just being like, okay, this is, this is okay. But when I like rewatched it, I was like, this is, this is a delight. I mean, this movie is kind of small stakes for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And that's okay. Like, that is definitely okay because so, so much of these movies are about, like, apocalypse and everything like that. And this is just like, hey, let's let's hang out with Paul Rudd and, and Michael Pena, who is absolutely awesome in 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 that movie and in the in the sequel, Ant-Man and the Wasp, which I, I put on the same level. Um, 
So those those two movies, I were I'm like those these are definitely uh you know really better than better than what I remembered. Yeah, it sounds like the films that people were kind of not crazy about at the time have stayed not particularly good. Like there are no, I mean, there are, I mean, you just alluded to the idea that there are, you know, that, that the Ant-Man movies are kind of hidden gem ish. Yeah. Uh, the first one, um, I remember had an absolutely magnificent use of the cure, uh, in a great visual gag. Um, Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, where he he sh- he shrinks down. And yeah, he they're they're like falling out of the sky in a briefcase or something, and somebody yells something, and Siri like picks up on it and is like, "Okay, let's play the Cure song." I don't remember what song it is, but it's definitely it's the beginning like, of disintegration. Oh okay, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, he says he actually says, "I'm gonna disintegrate you," and then he says, "Now I will play a Cure disintegration." Yeah, start, uh, starts right. It's a great joke. There's another sort of. Uh, uh, there, there's another in the in the sequel. There's there's a flash of Morrissey. Um, uh-huh. There's a part where Michael Pena is talking about his aunt's restaurant, and he, and he mentions that she has a juice ju- a jukebox in the restaurant that only has Morrissey on it, and how uh, and, and how like his family and Latinos just get down with Morrissey. Yeah, <laughs> that's a it's a good gag. Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of. Uh human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big... I'm a big fan of the Marvel Universe movies where the stakes are smaller. Yeah. The, 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 the best live action ones for me are uh, Black Panther for, well, Black Panther is great for a lot of reasons. Right. But the one with sort of the smallest stakes that I think ends up being one of easily one of the most effective movies is Spider-Man. Yeah. Spider-Man homecoming is really great. And the stakes for that are pretty small. Yeah. Yeah. It's, we were just talking about an arms dealer pretty much as the bad guy, but you know, it's kind of, it's, it's another good one. And I find this is sort of a trend that I'm finding that, that the ones that I find more compelling have villains that are, that have, you know, sympathy to them Uh um you know michael keaton who i just adore as soon as he showed up in that movie the one my first time watching through it i just you know lit up because i i've loved him so you know since since all the way back in the in the 80s with with batman and he's sort of reprising his Birdman uh (laughs) yeah role um in this but he's you know in the in that one in particular you know it starts off with him just being like a simple blue collar uh contractor who is basically muscled out of this contract by uh the government and in particular tony stark and so you know he sort of turns to this black market arms dealership stuff out of protection for his family and he says that over and over throughout the movie i'm doing this for my family i'm doing this for my family and so even though he's doing the wrong things he's sort of doing them for the right reasons which just makes um you know so it's just not this sort of monolithic good versus evil it puts it on a human scale yeah something and as a spider-man comic book nerd something i really appreciated about that is 
that, or really appreciate about Homecoming is that the vulture character, Michael Keaton, figuring out who Spider-Man was replicates the relationship between Spider-Man and Norman Osborn in the comics where uh, who, uh, Norman Osborn is the Green Goblin. Okay. And he's always, something that's always been kind of great about that relationship is Norman has always known that he's Spider-Man and just like kind of hangs it over his head. Yeah. Like I could destroy you immediately. Right. And it's, I mean, it's a little bit different because Norman is crazy and the vulture is, you know, just a regular criminal, but I thought that was very, very clever. Yeah, yeah, and and the reveal that he's figured out is particularly a great part of the movie as he figures it out as he is taking Peter Parker to w- with his daughter to the homecoming dance, and um, it's just it, it's it's a it's a really great scene. One of the one of the one of the standouts in all of these movies. So where are you now? Um. I am going to see Captain Marvel today for the oh. for the second time. Um, okay. Me and uh, our breaking news editor Rob Viapondo are actually uh, headed up to the uh, draft house after work today to go uh, to, right. go, to yeah. go check that out. Um, in in doing this rewatch, I'd kind of wanted to do everything in a chronological order, not as the movies came out, but as things took place, mm-hmm. and so. This is one that I took way out of that, and and for for good reason, just for, mainly for the reason because it's it's the most recent movie that's come out, and so I wanted to watch this one later in my rewatch because I wanted to see what sort of things from previous movies might show might show up. Um, so that's why I if I had done it purely like in the release order, I, I originally had had Captain Marvel right actually watching it before watching Endgame on Friday but I decided it would definitely be best to just watch Infinity War before that. Are there any particular performances that stand out? This is not going out on a limb but basically Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark is just he he is Tony Stark like that's it's, it, it, that that is as soon as as soon as he shows up on screen you're just like yep that's that's Tony Stark this is perfect this movie is going to be wonderful. Um, there's so many of them. <laughs> do you have any, any, you know, who, who do you think is, are some of the best performances out of all of these? I think Chris Evans has done a pretty spectacular job yeah. of embodying a guy who is ill at ease with the time that he's in, but has sort of figured out that certain values are, eternal and that if he anchors himself in his own sense of morality, he's going to be okay, which I think is sort of an underrepresented idea in civil war, because you think about civil war, I think is kind of an inspired film in a lot of ways Yeah, because at least in the comics, it was originally when, when this was announced, everybody thought, the Captain America side is going to be the pro-government regulation side, right? right. And Cap and Iron Man, the industrialist, is going to be the uh, more libertarian. Takes the more libertarian view. I am not a huge fan of Mark Miller, the guy who wrote the original comics, but having Captain America be the one saying it is a mistake to put us under government control because governments change. I thought was really inspired because it speaks to a guy 
who is completely confident of his own moral authority. Now, I think that Iron uh, Stark has his larger point is more applicable to the vast majority of people who are superpowered in this universe where his argument is essentially we're not all like you. Yeah, we're weapons of mass destruction. We're weapons of mass destruction and we can't count on not going nuts like you know, Bruce Banner tends to go nuts and kill a whole bunch of people right? and that's not acceptable anymore but I think that Chris Evans does a very good job of embodying this guy who is such a natural leader that people just sort of step in line. And that's, I mean, that's taken straight from the comics and it's a good look. Yeah. And I think he's doing a really good job. And, uh, he's also an extremely good looking guy. Um, there's, yeah. there's really no yeah. getting around oh, that. They, that's one thing that there's so many that, that I've noticed in basically every, every movie, uh, that, that they have, um, is, is basically like, there's gotta be just some sort of rider in every Marvel contract. If you're, if you're a leading man in a, a Marvel movie, your shirt is coming off. Well, it's, it's interesting that you say that because I think that was a very self-conscious, it would not surprise me if that was a very self-conscious decision, it's like, how can we make these less geeky, which in very primitive terms translates into sex appeal. How, yeah. How can we get women to watch these movies? Mm -hmm. And I know that sounds really unfortunate, but I've got a lot of friends who are like, I really appreciate the fact that there is egregious beefcake in every single one of these movies. Mm -hmm. And it's just really like, and it's not even subtle. Like it's, it's often very funny and yeah. not funny, but not subtle. Like there's one, yeah, yeah. I can't remember which film it is now. I think it's winter soldier where, uh, the captain America character has to grab a helicopter yeah, yeah. and hang on to a roof at the same time. <laughs> that that and, one I liked. A, I love that movie, but like that particular scene I laugh at because it's like the physics make no sense at first and and it and, and then you just sort of end up looking at Chris Evans bicep being yeah, like how yeah. did he even do that he like, put in the work <laughs> um, well, another thing that I that I would like to point at as sort of the broad mass appeal of these movies is is their embrace of humor um, oh yeah yeah it it really kind of it started in Iron Man um, and then they kind of like they kind of went away from it. You can see in like, I mean, in Thor, in the Thor movies, especially the first one and the second one, it's kind of non-existent. There's not much there. There's some there, but not that much. And, and in the audience suffers for it. And then it kind of, once we hit guardians of the galaxy, it's just like, okay, these are really actually just like action comedies. And, and yeah, it totally. really sort of brings in, brings in, I think a lot of the non geeks, uh, well, to the fore. The Thor stuff is kind of a shame because both of those movies or the first two rather have Kat Dennings in them, who is hilarious yeah. all the time. And she, they don't, she does, she, she does her best. Well, she then they actually, don't give her anything to do. Yeah. She just sort of stands around and you're like, this gal is hysterically funny Give her something to do. Natalie Portman is not funny. No. There, is, there are zero contexts in which Natalie Portman is yeah. funny. Anyway, any, any final thoughts on uh, your epic rewatch of these movies? Um, I am so very excited. It has been uh, tough on some days, easy on other days. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, mainly, I, I am just really excited. I'm, I'm happy I did it. Uh, and uh, just, you know, 
very super excited about this about this coming movie, which is three hours long. Yeah, well, thanks for taking that bullet for us, Phil. <laughs> well, you're going to see it, too. Uh, well, no, no, I meant oh, seeing this whole, all this whole the thing. Bill, all cabillion of them. <laughs> anyway, thanks very much, man. Yeah, no problem. That's our show. Thanks for listening, and thanks to our sponsor, Copenhagen Furniture. Check out the Austin 360 Instagram and Facebook for more about life in Austin. And talk to us on Twitter at LoveAustin360. And please leave us a review on iTunes. It helps other people find our podcast. I love you so much. The Austin 360 Podcast is a production of the feature staff at the Austin American Statesman. This episode was produced by Alyssa Vidalis and Jane Alexander. Our theme music is from local band Hard Proof, which you should definitely check out at hardproofmusic.com. You can find everything you'd ever want to know about this show and its contributors at austin360.com slash loveaustin360. And if you want to pitch an idea for the show or give us feedback, shoot us a note at loveaustin360 at statesman.com. We couldn't do this show without you listeners, and we can't thank you enough for lending us your ears, your comments, and your pictures of Chris Hemsworth. Until next week, we'll see you weeping outside your favorite movie theater. Since 1983, Copenhagen Modern Furniture has showcased Austin's largest collection of fine contemporary furniture and accessories. Now, at Copenhagen, save $500 on any stressless signature or leg comforter recliner model. For more ways to save, shop online at copenhagenliving.com or visit the showroom on Breaker Lane. Copenhagen Modern Furniture, Austin's premier destination for everything contemporary since 1983. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.